June 23rd, 1996, Mournful Rap came to the suburbs with the number one song in the country, The Crossroads. Arnold Schwarzenegger owns the box office with Eraser, eventually making close to $250 million and zero cultural impact. In South Africa, Nobel Prize winner Archbishop Desmond Tutu announced his retirement, while in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Stone Cold Steve Austin fought Jake the Snake Roberts in the King of the Ring tournament. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we, your hosts, attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm Aaron Benoit, and I would uh, I would describe myself as an intermittent wrestling fan, but from 1998 to 2002, it was definitely appointment viewing. With me, though, is somebody who never lost the faith, our resident historian and guy who knows the names of all the moves, Bobby Hankinson. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Aaron. Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here and fisherman suplex knowledge into this podcast with an underhook, <laughs> whatever else it takes. Okay, yeah, then in, in Ziguri, that's a thing, right? Love an Ziguri. Love a step up in Ziguri. Uh, love them all. Uh, I was deep, deep. I actually started res- watching wrestling right around the time we're going to start with today, and I've been a passionate fan ever since, both of the art of storytelling, the athleticism, and how hot all the dudes look. <laughs> All right, and also we have wrestling noob Eric Silver. So this is all brand new to you, right, Eric? Uh, it's pretty pretty brand new. I mean, um, I've watched wrestling since, so I've been watching, I guess, I don't know, for four years or so? Three now? years Three or, or so. four. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched when I was a kid, like around the time of like those wrestling buddies. So like <laughs> I, I know about Hulk Hogan. I know about <laughs> The Ultimate Warrior. Uh, there's some, you know... Th- there was a, there, this is this is the black hole for uh, me. Wrestling fans on the internet are going to hate you. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay, now uh, now meanwhile for for like a few years there, you produced a comedy show and that was called uh, Dear God, that's Stone Cold's music. And, <laughs> and you had no any idea. I mean, I knew the... who he was, uh-huh. and I'd heard the. I had no idea what it meant. I I had heard the phrase uh, in pop culture, and it seemed like it was a fitting title for our show but i'd never seen him wrestle um there's a lot of things i don't i there's many things i don't know about stone cold steve austin it'll be great uh i i learned a lot from watching the the king of the ring special so this will be good i'm excited i want to i want to know where where my show came from well to give you all a little background um the three of us started watching together when bobby invited eric and i over to watch the 2015 royal rumble which was just about exactly three years ago uh, next thing I know, I'm watching Raw every week, and since Eric and I were living together at the time, he was watching Raw every week. But the start of this project really began when we went to see Raw at the Barclays Center the night after SummerSlam in 2015, which gave us the premiere of Braun Strowman and also the return of the Dudley Boys. You remember that? Oh, yeah. That was a super, super stacked show. There was a lot going on. It was really exciting. Was that the first show we went to live? That, yeah. was, the fir- that was the first show that I'd ever seen live. Okay. So that was definitely the first show we ever went together live. Yeah, that was, I think, the first time we all went together. And I hadn't been to a live wrestling event since 1996, actually. Uh, so this was a definitely a new energy, much bigger, much louder, much more exciting, and as an adult to like appreciate it. The weird thing is, I went to a live event when I was a kid at Nassau Coliseum, and I have no memory of it. Like, zero memory. 
I mu- I probably was like the worst spectator at that <laughs> event because like I probably wasn't like cheering along with everybody. Like I didn't know any of the any of the things you're supposed to say. Even then, even like when I was like sort of watching it as a kid. Well, the was... night after that night, uh, Eric and I went home and I showed him the TLC match from WrestleMania X7, which we'll get to eventually on this podcast. But I think then I, we kind of realized that there was uh there was this big round where of lack of knowledge where Eric had, but also this chance for us to go back and look at this two, uh, this late 90s wrestling with 2018 eyes. Yeah, I mean, not only just the how bizarre everything was, but the attitude area, the cultural ubiquity of it was so massive. Hence, Eric naming his show after a Stone Cold line that he didn't even know, that it's fascinating to look back at like that wrestling was so big in culture. Um, so, Eric, what would you say is your biggest question going into this? Uh, okay. You mean biggest question I guess, like, having watched like, it? No, um, biggest overall question about this kind of uh, this time in wrestling. Why were people into it? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, and I guess this isn't me, like, you know, watching King of the Ring and reacting and being like, that was so terrible. But, like... I remember I remember it being around me as a kid and I remember when I was in college you know every like people were talking about mankind slash McFoley and I remember he had a book that came out that was like a number one bestseller yep and people were like reading it and they were just so interested in it and I to be honest I, w- I was just kind of like I don't get it guys like every, these guys like it's just a bunch of men acting like super macho manly. And kind of like disgusting in a weird way, you know, like they're just being like terrible people, and so it didn't make any sense to me why it caught on in the way it did. Eric Silver woke before his time. <laughs> Sorry, toxic. It was toxic masculinity, and I think we're definitely going to run into uh, quite a bit of that. I mean, I think just from tonight's show. Well, should we get right into it? Yeah. Okay. So tonight we're going to dissect the pay per view event, the 1996 King of the Ring. 1986. I'm sorry? Oh, sorry. You're right. 1996. I wrote it down wrong. Oh, God. Did I watch the <laughs> wrong like, one? What? No. <laughs> Eric, so when Mr. T comes out. <laughs> I was I was really confused by Brutus the Barber Beefcake's involvement. <laughs> um, okay. So for tonight, we're going to start talking about the 1996 King of the Ring uh, show. Uh, Bobby, what do we need to know before we get into this? Yeah. So a couple big events kind of precipitated what we're about to see tonight, which is, of course, the coronation of Stone Cold Steve Austin as the biggest star the WWE has ever seen, possibly one of the biggest stars in pop culture, especially at this time. Uh, Going into this event, Steve Austin, who's going by the ringmaster at the time, had just sort of ditched his manager, which was the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, who you might have seen in 1986. I remember him and Virgil. Uh, And Virgil, absolutely. Uh, He was managing the ringmaster Steve Austin, And at this point, Steve Austin was trying to negotiate a bit of a change in character. Uh, So he had been embarking on a tougher, more sinister character, the Stone Cold persona, which got its name from a serial killer and also from a cup of tea. You could take (laughs) two very different things and put them together. Uh, So going into this, this has sort of been his crowning. But it was not intended to be his crowning originally. 
Before this, it was actually supposed to be Triple H's, Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the time. Yeah. Uh, his at, at this time. point, his his gimmick was to be kind of like this foppish dandy yes. who like comes down with uh, with a different woman every time. But um, he got involved in something that I think we'll kind of kind of go on into later on in the podcast. Yeah, I believe he used to come down with tails, actual like tuxedo tails yeah. to the ring, and there was like a very fancy bow he would make, and it was a he was a bit of a Downton Abbey character. In a pro wrestling at the same time, uh, an upstairs downstairs wrestler. I just I, I I do need to point out that uh, that Stone Cold's last match with Ted DiBiase was against uh, a wrestler named Savio Vega, who uh, this was a Caribbean strap match, which I don't know how that's different mm-hmm. from any other strap <laughs> matches. But um, the stipulation was that if uh, if Savio Vega won, Ted DiBiase would leave the company, which is obviously what happened. It was all orchestrated because Ted DiBiase was going over to WCW. But also, um, if Stone Cold had won, then Savio Vega had to become Ted DiBiase's chauffeur. And there's a lot of images of uh, in that match of just like a chauffeur's cap, just to kind of remind you of the possible fate uh, befalling Vega. And so this is before. This is before, this is before WWE. WWF starts becoming super problematic. This is already. Oh yes. They're like <laughs> this you're going to be in. I'm going to I'm going to just make a guess about Savio Vega's ethnicity. You're you're correct. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Caribbean there was a big strap match moment that was happening around this time. There was a lot of them just in the Hawk uh, Bradshaw at this point was uh, doing a lot of strap matches. There was like that was like the gimmick of choice. I feel like in the WWF at this time. What what's a strap match? The two wrestlers are attached by like a long leather strap the entire match. Oh, I bet they strangle each other with it a lot. They do. A lot. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a big lot. part of it. Yeah. yeah this I, one also had a lot of reverse tombstone pile drivers, where it's just like dick to the face, dick to the face, dick to the face, over and over again. Uh huh. Go on. <laughs> Uh, let's see, what else do we need to know going into this? Uh, going into where we're setting up our main event the previously, so Shawn Michaels is coming off really hot with his world championship win at WrestleMania against Bret Hart. Um, he's the biggest star in the company. He has this sort of, uh, he's kind of this cool guy, sexy, in a very gay he's a way. Sexy we'll boy. He's a sexy boy. He's not boy. your boy toy. Uh, he wears a motorcycle hat and leather chaps, so I don't know how that translated to anyone at this point, considering what we're going to see later in the show. Uh, but at the previous pay-per-view, he faced British Bulldog. They, The match ended with both of their shoulders pinned to the mat in one of those suplexes that's tricky. The referee awarded the match to Michaels, while Camp Cornette, which was the British Bulldog, uh, Vader, Jim Cornette, Owen Hart, and British Bulldog's wife, which factored heavily into a lot of the storytelling at this time, um, all thought that British Bulldog should have won. So this became sort of a contentious who was the rightful winner of that match to be decided during this match. Got it. Um, before that match, uh, Shawn Michaels was served with a, uh, a subpoena for attempted alienation of affection for going after Diana. That's definitely an actual legal thing that you can sue for, <laughs> for, for attempting to, to get, get uh, Diana away from the British Bulldog in some oh, so backstage. They tried to make this a love triangle. Yeah. Yes. Okay, interesting. That that explains some of uh, the amount of times that they were showing Diana's face, mm-hmm. which we can talk about later. Because <laughs> that was very—I had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, <laughs> like she she is not an expressive, emotive person no. at all. No, it's very. This was definitely a WWF trope at the time with wives sure. going back to Miss Elizabeth. I, I like remember Miss Elizabeth like, with Randy Savage yeah. and Hulk Hogan. Yep. yep. And so this has sort of like been. An, this is an ongoing thing, and I think we'll see it more through as even these this Attitude Era play out in weird and inexplicable ways. Okay. All right. <laughs> Including with some of the women that we'll be talking about tonight. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, and I think the last thing that we need to bring up from the last uh, pay-per-view in your house, eight, beware of dog, was uh, Goldust took home the Intercontinental title from The Undertaker in a casket match after Mankind interfered, setting up um, the showdown tonight. Yes. This so meeting. they booked Goldust against The Undertaker? Yes. That's so fucking weird. And Goldust got over. I know. I, I mean, that, un, we're watching Undertaker as a mid-carder at this point, which is wow. nuts. At this point, he had not won a world championship. But Undertaker was so over with the crowd that, I mean, it's kind of like uh, Becky Lynch today, where you don't need to have him constantly in the title oh, hunt sure. because everybody loves him no matter where. He's like, like a force. Yeah, And you know exactly. when he shows up, it's going to be something. Yeah. yeah, we will. I have a lot to talk about The Undertaker when we <laughs> okay. get to him later. Well, let's get right into it then. Um, first match of the night was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Wildman Mark Marrow. I thought it was Mark Merrill because they never actually said it. They never wrote the spelling out of his yeah, name. Yeah, they weren't really good with they just on said screen, Wild Man. weren't really good with on-screen graphics yeah. at this point. Yeah, it, I I used to love Wild Man Mark Merrill. He was my favorite. And Sable, I think so. Nineteen ninety six. I was I Sable. I think I was eleven okay. at the time, and I loved Sable. And I recognized that she was a very beautiful woman. Was not remotely interested sexually <laughs> in her, but she was like the first. I feel like. For me, the first kind of like D, actual diva, capital D, including Mariah Carey kind of diva that I was like, as a little baby gay, like, yes, yes, fierce Sable, yes. <laughs> well, it didn't help that so into it. she came out in like a full pleather yeah, dominatrix yes. outfit, like cracking a whip into her hand. Oh, like yeah. She, she had Mark Marrow. She had him like wrapped around her finger. Oh, for sure. And she only gets cooler as the years go on. But I remember she first arrived. I mean, I subscribed to the magazine. I had posters of Sable. I used to like draw Sable in my notebooks. Like I, uh, I, I definitely had a magazine with Sable in it when I was in college. <laughs> yes. I, a different I, I too got that magazine. Um, okay, so quick, quick thing. Wild Man has porn facial hair. Yes. Right. Like mm-hmm. that. Like what, it, what? What? What do you call that? It's the it's like a handlebar. The, yeah. The, yeah. The deep. The deep handlebar down to the chin. Gross. So Mark Marrow previously, when he was in WCW, used to wrestle under a moniker Johnny B. Bad. Who was literally? It was like a little Richard character. Was, was it honestly, bad with two D's and an E? Oh, oh, two beautiful. D's. Oh, chef kiss. But he was like a like a very. Like, it was like little Richard. The only way to describe it. It was uh-huh. like kind of like a flamboyant. Lots of sequences he would wear makeup. It was that kind of wrestling trope at the time of the sort of sissy boy mm-hmm. that he used to play. So I think that facial hair was like a holdover. If you look at him in the right light, you do still get a little Richard vibes. I, no, no. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I, I can see it. Yeah. I, and and it, it defies hair. everything else about him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one note I have here is I wrote, I literally have no idea what led to this match. <laughs> so King of the Ring is a single elimination style tournament. Okay. Um, so they would do a lot of the qualifying matches and quarterfinals on Raw in the weeks leading up to this pay-per-view. Got it. So the pay-per-view then is just the semifinals and the final. So there was there was no, like, th- this is not a story as, as, as such. There's many stories sort of baked into all of this, but really it's a single elimination kind of tournament. It's just a tournament yeah, yeah. for the title of King of the Ring. Uh, and was King of the Ring always decorated like medieval times? <laughs> I think it's different. I, well, I was really struck, speaking of like the set dressing, like mm. how different to what we're so used to seeing now with the ramp and the screens and all this was so basic. And watching people just walk through a 
door? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when wow, you, way to get the crowd amped. When you think about the amount of money that WWE, WWE spent on pyro throughout the 90s and the 2000s, like the fact that that this is just two guys dressed like kind of as jesters <laughs> in, uh, in, in a yellow and purple motley opening a door for the superstars. And like you can see like a janitor uh, posted up behind uh, as they're walking out. Oof. It is not. It definitely lacked the punch that we're. I think we're used to seeing in entrances now. I was. I was cheering for the Green Knight. That's what, <laughs> that's what the section I was sitting in. So. Um. But yeah. So. Uh. King of the Ring tournament. Um. This. Is, so. This was kind of. There's always been the big four. Um. SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, and Survivor Series. But King of the Ring at this point was kind of like the fifth major, which is why all the other pay-per-views were called In Your House, but King of the Ring kind of had this this mystique about it where it was where it was the fifth, like the fifth big one. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't brought it back at this point. Um, There's always It's always a rumor, I feel like, almost every year that they're going to bring back King of the Ring. I think King Barrett was the last one yeah. who won, like about two and a half years ago, that, and but it wasn't a pay-per-view. They kind of did it... Yeah. Um, just on TV maybe even like social media I don't know I think it was just a TV thing and then also I mean a lot of characters have like taken the King of the Ring win and made that part of their persona King Mm -hmm. Booker Seamus I think like also are winners that have like embodied that that is their new kind of gimmick Um, but this match I thought it was weird to be reminded of Mark Mara at the time was considered a high flyer Mm -hmm. when I think like watching this match versus like watching the cruiserweights now Mm -hmm. it's not a lot of high flying no and he was considered they were like oh that high flying when he's like he did a hurricanrana and everyone was like whoa is that the thing that I have in in my notes as helicopter (laughs) it's like the I don't know it's like he picked him up and like he was like flip they were like it was a. They can't see your hand movements. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I don't know how to. Dis- that's that's the problem I have. Like I don't know how to describe these things. Like it, he just swung around the guy like full bodied and like. Oh, probably into some kind of crucifix or something like that. Sure, a, a like a head scissor into a crucifix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. I'm trying to like remember the spot exactly, but I just remember watching and seeing him do like a plancha and a hurricanrana, and then being like, "He is all over the place. High risk offense." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I mind you, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't quite where he is at either. Oh, no. um, half the time, he is staring up in the air, waiting for Mero to perform whatever move it is that he's going to so, eventually be taken down with. Even though Stone Cold is not using the Ringmaster moniker anymore, at this point, his physical fighting style is very different than what we'd become used to. This is this gets too dry, let me know. <laughs> but uh, he was still really positioning himself as like a mat technician in a way that we don't even see anymore outside of like Natalia. But that was really his thing at this point. He didn't become more of like uh, the brawler that we're used to until after a very, very, very famous injury during a botched spot. Um, pay-per-view, a couple pay-per-views from now. Um, so look out bad, for that, guys. Yeah, he'll have a bad injury, and I then he changes he his whole his style. Neck, and that's why... Yeah, and he changes his whole style from there. But at this point, he's really being like a technical wrestler. So I think watching him in this match was like, oh. and even they said they like he beat Savio Vega in the in the qualifiers, the quarterfinals, using a sleeper hold. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that must have been a thrilling pop from the audience to watch that sleeper hold go down. Yeah, they do a lot of holds in this in, in this uh, this whole pay per view. Like they there was a lot of just like guys just grappling. Yeah. and just. Watching it, the fu- oh, uh, we will get into the Lull- the Jerry Lawler. Ugh. Anyway, we, I won't. But I won't even jump ahead um, of but it. even the Stone Cold Stunner is one of the least stunning moves yeah. ever. Um, <laughs> you've got like he's like shaking. 
when The Rock got hit with a Stone Cold Stunner, he would bounce to the other side of the ring and lie there like he was a dead man. Yeah. Mark Marrow's <laughs> legs are like flailing and everything as he's trying to get out after this move. Yeah, it was not. It was not beautiful at that. This I think was also the second time he's ever used it. I feel like this is a new. It was a new finisher for him because he yeah. was using the Million Dollar Dream and and as an ode to Ted DiBiase when they were together. So now he's just starting to use it now. I will say this is a good match. Like this is a pretty quality match. It was entertaining to watch. It had it had highs and lows. It, it like kept me. It, it kept me invested. Oh yeah. In a way that a lot of the matches over the course of this evening would not do <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um. What? Two things. One is uh. Did you know, I, I actually do know a piece of trivia. Do you know why it's called the Stunner? I do not. I do not. <laughs> because before sto- before Steve Austin became the ringmaster, he was stunning Steve Austin yeah. when he had, like, hair. And I think that that was probably before he got into the WWE. WCW, he was part of Hollywood Blondes, I believe, <laughs> with Brian Pillman in WCW. <laughs> him and Hollywood Oh, Brian Pillman. I can't wait to talk about him later. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and that's why it's called the Stunner because he was stunning Steve Austin. I, I like that he incorporates all of his former personas into you know going forward. And this is the match where Tim White was the referee. Where I was watching this and realizing that I remember this referee's name, and I was like, "What? What have I forgotten? What childhood memory do I not have?" So I have space <laughs> in my brain to remember Tim White. Well, it's pretty amazing the amount of time that you, Bobby, have have. Just lent to wrestling. Years, probably cumulative of my your, life. Your husband put up a Facebook post from 2009 today where he was uh, in, in admiration of how seriously you took WWE. So that was eight years ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Will we talk about some of the uh, misogynist elements here? My favorite was at one point, Owen Hart, who's on color commentary for the entire night. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. He at one point called Sable a hose bag. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. I also heard, I think it was, first of all, young Vince McMahon. Whoa, that blew my mind a little bit. Oh, oh, so yeah, yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, Vince McMahon at this point, nobody has acknowledged the fact air, that yeah. he owns the company. He is just a commentator. Right. And uh, it, it would be a little while before we got acknowledged. Right, because it's ostensibly Gorilla Monsoon, which is what all presidents should have as a name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> President Monsoon. <laughs> The Russians uh, are calling. Hey, um, I think we could do a, a we could do a little bit worse than Gorilla Monsoon <laughs> these days, guys. It's true, very true. Uh, topical. Um, <laughs> the yeah. At one point, they say I think it was Vince McMahon. He goes, "Those high those high risk maneuvers are enjoyable to watch." As is Sable. Oh, <laughs> what a fucking creep. Oh, oh, it gets so much oh worse, my, Eric. This is the, the near tip of the iceberg. When, I mean, like, and even later in this pay per view, I mean, you get such a. You, I feel like I have such insight into Vince McMahon's like psychosexual, like mind space, and it's very like what upsetting. he enjoys in bed. And wh- yeah, what he does, but also like what sort of like freaky stuff. I mean, he is a twisted, sick man. In re- I think in uh, real life. <laughs> uh, okay, so another question I have. Uh, first of all, Stone Cold called a timeout. <laughs> what, what was the? Yeah, I had no idea. What, what was the going. point of that? Because it it didn't really like it wasn't a thing that worked well with the crowd. It just felt like a throwaway thing that like <laughs> he was doing his best Zach Morris. He was watching a lot of <laughs> Saved by the Bell. And is like if I just hit my hands together, everything will stop, and then I'll be able to pin him. And then he just addresses. He also, by the way, I I think there was a point where Stone Cold looked straight at the camera. And like, ga- like, kind of just like fucking stared into my soul, like he broke that fourth wall like over his knee, <laughs> the fourth wall of your heart. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this this guy, fuck. 
Um, let's see. What else do I have? Oh, what's the strategy of locking up hands? Why is that like? A, is that supposed to be like we'll see who the strongest of us is? It's a, that's another like that's a wrestling they do all the time. The test of strength. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They kind of do what they both kind of like do one of yeah. these. One, one, one of holds these. a one holds a hand out. Then yeah. Then they get into it. Yeah, it's kind of a pacing thing, you yeah. know. Um, like to kind of like cool it down a little bit, but also like we kind of like we know it's going to be ramped up in in the near future. Yeah, I was interested uh, to see um, them on the outside ripping up the mats and exposing the concrete because they don't do that anymore. Mm. And I for almost forgotten. I was like, that's got to hurt to take that bump regardless. Wait, which which um, one? They were a Mark Marrow and Stone Cold were on the outside of the ring, and mm. they ripped up the protective mats. Outside oh, the ring, I, I have that. Like the thing on the concrete. Yeah, uh, con- uh, concrete in, in air quotes, right? Well, what, no, I think. That's just straight up no, that's, concrete. Yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah. That's that, just the yeah, floor. That looked pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, he lands on his knee pads and his hands. So I mean, he's not taking the, he's not belly flopping or anything like that. But I mean, like that's still a pretty hard bump. To well, take. Yeah, and, and they don't do that anymore. And we've got there's a lot of uh, a lot of bumps that we're gonna see over the course of yeah uh, this evening. Um, I also I, I really liked when uh, Merrill was in a submission. Merrill Wildman was in a submission. <laughs> And uh, he literally flipped Austin over while he was on the ground. I think Austin was on top. Wildman was on the bottom. Mero. Uh, <laughs> he was on the bottom. And, like, he, like, turned. And then Austin just, like, fell over himself. Like, literally did a full flip. It was I, – I, I just thought it was, like, a, a good selling of, a, of an absolutely uh, physically impossible move. <laughs> Could not happen. Also, lots of blood. Yeah, well, this wasn't even intended. But this was not. We'll yeah. see a lot of. We'll see a lot of blood as we cover these, and a lot of them are, is blading. Is a lot of purposely cutting your face and bleeding a lot. The crimson mask, but this was not purposeful blood. And very famously, we'll get into this um, later in this episode. But famously, after this match, Austin was taken to the hospital and had to get stitches in his lip um, before his final match. And oh. that's a very important factor into the development as to what happens later. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw those stitches. They showed them on the camera in the next, in the, the, the later match. Yeah. So I was into it. And it's not like today where, where the minute you see a little bit of blood, the referee's got like a full hazmat suit yeah. on there. Everybody's just, everybody's <laughs> cool. in it. They're Laugh just it like right, laying around in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Should we, uh, anything yeah, else I think, to know about uh, this match? No, we get, we get Austin uses his stunner for one of the earliest uses. Not great. Um, takes the win. Moves on to the final round. All right. And then uh, the next round, we've got Jake Roberts, the snake, uh, versus the man called Vader. Okay, first question. <laughs> Bobby is shaking his head right I now. I got a lot to say. But <laughs> does, does, I, I asked this early on, and then I've come to realize it. I asked uh, in my notes, does Jake have a Christian thing happening for him? Oh, like, yes. Is his character, I, I have written down, is his character one of those like snake handling Christians? <laughs> so Jake the Snake Roberts, that was the snake was always his, his gig, even in the 80s. Like that was his thing. He'd come out with the python in the bag and it would be kind of like intimidation thing. Yeah. Behind the scenes, Jake the Snake was uh, all about getting so drunk. And he was an alcoholic and basically became, then was off TV, was off out of wrestling, came back was actually off screen and born again Christian and be made that part of his gimmick and part of his like redemption arc is now he's back and he had never won a world championship before. And so part of this was him coming back triumphant, clean, sober, and with the power of Jesus. 
Um, one of the the famous stories is of him um, being reunited with his estranged daughter and then uh, smoking crack in a hotel room afterwards. So he's had he's had a lot of demons. Yeah, he's he, still alive. He is. Hey, he is. Yeah. No, uh, I, that's actually one of my notes. <laughs> Jake Roberts is still alive, and I'm very very happy about Jake, that. Jake, if you're listening, we're so glad you're still with us. Wow. Um, also, I, did he own the snake? Oh, I'm sure not. Also, I bet like today, animal control. Oh, those like, snakes! What are those you sta- doing? And, and the goats later on in the show, they are so scared. <laughs> those animals are so scared. I there, had are, that in, in there are so caps. many. I was like, baby goats. There are so many noises in that arena, and those animals are terrified the entire time. Oh my god. Um, why is there not? A wrestler today where um, Born Again Christian is his gimmick. Shawn Michaels. But okay, but but like but like in ring right now, where like being being like because I think that would fit in with uh, you know Vince McMahon and it, like the ultra right wing kind of like yeah off screen stuff that's going on. I think there are two. I think WWE today, especially under Triple H and Stephanie's influence, is. State steers clear of that kind of like hot button controversy. Mm-hmm. Like that, even the chair, they do a lot of charity stuff now, which I think is very cool, but the charities they pick are like literally, the, they're like reading, bullying, <laughs> breast cancer. It's like nobody's disagreeing. So you they're not going to have like an abortion wrestler? No. <laughs> though honestly, oh my God. though honestly, you'd be surprised. I believe like that, the, the kind of stuff we get into the Anjit era, era is insane. And I do think that does factor at some point, to be clear. Uh, He's the coat hanger. <laughs> oh, no. Too dark. Well, you know. Bobby, it's the attitude what era. is Jim Cornette? Oh, boy. So Jim Cornette was a manager. I believe he's a holdover from so when there was still, like, regions. You know, mm. when there was, like, NWA and all those things like that. And he's a holdover from that time period. He was a huge force behind the scenes creatively. But on screen, he's just kind of like a ranting manager. The big thing is his tennis racket. That yeah, he why does he have a tennis racket? You know, to hit people with. That's <laughs> really it. It's really it is it. My honest question that I didn't pick up, that I only picked up now in hindsight is, why is he wearing a Marilyn Monroe tie? <laughs> That's what I want to know. He has a tie with Marilyn Monroe and her Diamonds or Girls Best Friend pink dress, and that is his tie. That's the tie he's wearing. It's, it's like my dad when he goes to work at school. Like he'll wear like really weird. It, it makes no sense. Why? Why is the Why is the jacket still on the racket? I I don't mean to rhyme that way. It also because what's in there might be like packing peanuts. You know right, what I mean? Because right. he, he's smacking dudes left and right with it. He was kind of like an early. He's like a Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. That's kind okay. of that was sort of like his deal. He was a Paul Heyman, a little bit more hysterical, a little bit more twang to it. But where did he go? Um, I think he retired. He moved behind the scenes. Yeah, and, uh, uh, he has a podcast. I, he, was, <laughs> <laughs> he was still involved, I think, up through. Or I'm 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 saying this like I know I read on Wikipedia the yeah. other day. Um, he was still involved up through like the early 2000s and like behind the scenes, and he still like goes to a lot of conventions and stuff like yeah. that, and is very involved in the fan community. Yeah, he's still talking up a storm. He's one of those people. Him and um, Vince Russo is another one who's always on the internet giving opinions on today's wrestling. He's not Brother Love, is he? He's not. No, okay. Brother Love is someone else. Uh, but he is. They they have a similar style of dress. <laughs> Uh, Brother Love was even more amped up, extreme, hysterical, but uh, Jim Cornette's a little bit more grounded. But he was just like a Heyman type, and they put him with people who needed a mouthpiece, particularly like Vader, who were doing right. The yeah, Vader, now. who looks like a gimp. But Vader, who is one of the be- regarded as one of the best wrestlers of all time. Like, really? Yeah, had a terrible run with WWF, but he had a great run in WCW. Had a great career overseas. Had he, a great always- cameo and Ready to Rumble with David Arquette. <laughs> yes. Was he always Vader? I think he used to be Big Van Vader was also part of it, but he is like he 
he kind of felt like the guy whenever like they needed a uh, like in another pop culture thing they needed a wrestler they would bring wasn't he on a boy meets world episode yes he what was he also fuck? was honestly i believe detained overseas in the middle east uh for saying something in, i think he said like ass on like middle eastern tv promoing uh, a upcoming WWF event, and he was imprisoned. <laughs> like they That's why him. they gave him Jim Cornette. They're like, this guy, this <laughs> yeah, guy yeah, will keep it clean. But he's Vader and Pussy Riot. <laughs> he's in the Hall of Fame at one uh, during a match at one point, and his eyeball popped out. Like <gasps> not on anything WWF. I think that was in Japan. But he, I mean, you see the size of this guy. He does a top rope moonsault. I mean, like he is incredibly athletic, and he had a terrible run with WWF. But he is regarded as one of the best wrestlers to ever live. Wow, he yeah. he seemed like such a throwaway in this match. Yeah, and like I thought, I I, I saw his shirt. And I was like, Vader time is like the fucking laziest, <laughs> laziest slogan to have. <laughs> like Vader right tastes great. Let's Vader. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and but before we get into it, Jake the Snake Roberts was also he was awesome for a very long time and people loved him yeah. I just think it's like insane that his finishing move was the DDT yeah. which is now just like a move oh yeah just like a move that people oh he just did a DDT when everyone would cheer and chant and, and like what go does it stand for I have uh, I don't know I don't alright well I don't even we'll know if it, I think it might just be is it just a reference to the chemical that saves us all from <laughs> we can eat apples now or <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Reference, I've actually pondered that before, but I, I don't think I've ever had the, the tenacity to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> there's our there's our work for the train ride home. Yeah. Uh, also, where do where does Vader get a mask like that? Was that made especially uh, is, for him? I mean, like between that mask and mankind, it's like, yo, they had a mask department. They had a mask man. Someone give that guy a raise. Good leather work. Yeah, yeah it is very some, good leather work. It is like there's a lot. That's what I mean. Like there's a weird. There's so much sexual overtones to everything that's happening and those masks especially like do read very gimp oh yeah it's very it, did this come out around the same time as uh pulp fiction well this is 96 96 so, so pulp fiction was 95 yeah. yeah so so yeah. was it so like i mean time. is there i don't think it was that was, just like this i don't think a... i don't think anybody in the audience watching that that had ever seen pulp fiction in 1996 <laughs> do you think they looked at it and thought of it as sexual or just like no like this is this is a badass it's guy. like extreme yeah yeah he just like, right. he's kind of like a monster that was his whole thing i mean like also this is, i was always boggled even as a kid by how his um singlet fit where I was like how is it that your nipples are nowhere near the interior of your singlet which is where I believe they belong uh, that always was fascinating and also like disgusting like I mean again there's a short list of wrestlers and honestly just men in general I would not have sex with but Vader is for sure on the list of men I would not have sex with oh. <laughs> but respect but respect yeah. <laughs> nothing but respect Hall of Famer yeah Um. so the way this match went I mean I, I, I don't know if we're gonna breeze through this because the match breezed through yeah. was this just to accommodate like Jake being fucking old Probably. I mean, they want, I mean, in a way, they were also putting over Jake while not hurting Vader's momentum yet. So that was hence the sort of like weird DQ stupid that, that thing. Meaningless disqualification. I've heard, I've seen like referees get knocked around all the time. And this time the referee's like, nah. They always <laughs> no, play not hard in my fa- house. They always play fast and loose with the rules. You know what I mean? When it's convenient. And this is also this referee, a young Mike Kyoto. <laughs> so fucking weird. weird. Not even things I looked up, things I just retained <laughs> in my mind. Young Mike Kyoto, who's still refing. Um, who, was the, who was the 11th president? Oh, I have no, I could not tell you. Just checking. I can't do my taxes, right. okay? I don't. 
You, right now, you could pass a citizenship test for the World Wrestling Federation. I, yes, that's where I Not necessarily for our federation of I, I am a citizen of the WWE universe. Thank you. <laughs> John Tyler was the 10th president. Two of his grandchildren are still alive. Oh. That has nothing to do with it. From Parks Thank and Rec. Thank you, Scott Rogowski. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of, um, I, I feel like I kind of want to talk about this a little bit more with uh, when we get to the finals yeah. of it. But it kind of, this definitely feels like a, a passing of the torch kind of thing, which kind of felt like they were selling the King of the Ring short a little bit. Because, again, it was one of, like, the, the top ones, and yet two out of the three matches weren't really even matches. Yeah, they were they were not that good. I mean, it was like it we'll get to the third one, but this one sucked. It was yeah. not a fun match to watch. Like and I mean, it was kind of funny how they kept like ragging on Jake for his age. Like props to Owen Hart. I guess that's the Owen Hart who died, right? Yes. Yeah. Weird. I I only knew about Owen Hart. I didn't know I didn't like put a face with the name. Uh but yeah, I thought it was pretty boring and, like, bland, uh, and they just wanted to get out of it right away. Well, I mean, these two guys, I mean, like, you got Vader, who's a big guy who can move, but he's a big guy, so that's kind of limiting, kind of like you think, like, a big show, you know I mean? Like, there's only so much he can do, and right. then Jake the Snake, who's on his last legs. So yeah. there wasn't much they can do. I, th- I thought the booking was smart, even though if the match wasn't a, a thrill to watch. Mm-hmm. To put Vader over this way and to have the attack after, it set, it set up pieces nicely to come together later in the evening. Mm-hmm. I also have a note that's a great idea to shoot a promo in the bathroom. (laughs) That that promo after, I was like, why are we in here? Aren't the guys going to be using this at some point? (laughs) I mean, definitely, definitely you see that that the money isn't, or they haven't invested the money to uh, the production value that we'll see, like, just, like, insane set pieces later on as as we're going forward. Yep. Uh, Next match? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The Godwins with Hillbilly Jim <laughs> versus the Smoking Guns featuring Sonny. Oof, the Smoking Guns were so hot. First of all, I like to call this match the match of the unnecessary ends. <laughs> they both have two ends in their name, and it makes no sense to me. <laughs> They're like, like, why can't you just be Godwin with one end? Look, 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 look. We, we, we double consonanted back then. We spelled S's with Z's. This is the 90s. You're just going to have to get used to it, Eric. It was it was so weird watching both of them together with the same like the same spelling uh, I, variation. Eric cannot believe of all the things that they showed us in this match. <laughs> that is the one that you were the, the, the most. That was number one on your list. You're like coming in hot on the consonants because there is so much to unpack here. Uh, the goats. I love the goats. Oh, are great. great. Well, like, this is a holdover because we're transitioning into the Attitude Era, but what's coming, what, like, what preceded it was an era where wrestlers had jobs. That was how gimmicks were made. So you were a wrestling dentist. You were a wrestling yeah, yeah, no, I think we need You to, were a wrestling farmer. You Isaac Yankum DDS was, uh, was Kane's Kane, yeah. first, uh, first gimmick. He was yeah. Jerry Lawler's dentist. <gasps> we also had Erwin R. Scheister. The, the, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. IR the accountant? Yeah. Erwin R. Scheister, who should basically be called Jewy McJew. I mean, he did have the name Shyster. Yeah, I get it. It was raw. I mean, so this is so these guys. I feel like especially are like holdovers of ta- of like the tag teams, also the body donnas who are involved in this sort of three way rivalry. They weren't on the show; they were on the pre show this epi- this pay per view. But Skip and Zip, the body donnas, were like personal trainers. I mean, like were everybody... the smoking guns like cowboys? cowboys? Yeah, interesting. So everybody, and that would Billy Gunn would become badass Billy Gunn and join DX and the New Age oh, Outlaws. Oh, later. I had a thing that says Billy Gunn looks kind of familiar. So he was definitely the yes, breakout. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, he became, so he became Road Dog and him were the New Age Outlaws. I mean, they just recently came back in the last few years. We were watching when they made their return, and they're a big part of Degeneration X. You were watching. Which happens later. <laughs> Probably eating more wings. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they were both so hot. <laughs> and they have Sonny. Um, and basically. Oh my oof. God, Sonny. Well, what, I mean, preceding this, the, the idea was that um, Billy Gunn kisses so well that she then turned her back on on her on the the Godwins and then went over to their side. So this was happening before this pay-per-view. Basically Sunny has been like going around to all the tag teams. She originally was with the Body Donnas and then she was with the Godwins. Oh god. And Cloudy. then she's with and now Cloudy is what's happening now who's in I looked him up cuz I was like who was Cloudy? <laughs> like Cloud basically so Sunny, you know, switched allegiances. The Body Donnas in a way to like revenge Got like a a guy in drag who was cloudy. Oh, the... I I did write. Oh, cool, a drag joke. Yeah, that was. But you know what? I noticed cloudy. Oof. oof. Sunny Sunny uses the right pronouns when referring to her. Yes. So oh. I was I was like that is. They never. Ex- they treated cloudy as if cloudy was a woman. No exception. They everyone gendered cloudy correctly. No one at any point suggested like to the point where I think as a child I didn't even realize that cloudy was actually a man. Because um, he's a very hairless man, um, and he's all done up, and like literally no one made that. Yeah, that's it. It, if you blink, you know, <laughs> if you squint real hard. But he was an indie wrestler they brought in just to do that, and essentially didn't do anything else afterwards. Well, she uh, realized herself. That was. Did, weird. Did, wait, did she wrestle? I don't believe so. I'm trying to remember now. Well, I think we'll we'll see. But I have imagined that Cloudy and Sunny had some run-ins, but I don't. She did not become a wrestler. That, wow. This was a gag. She is not getting uh, in- inducted into She's the Hall of Fame. She's not going to be in the Hall of Fame anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, um, I also have a note that I, I, I in the promo I have that the banjo music was so loud. <laughs> like it was almost like they didn't want us to really hear what anybody was saying because it was like <laughs> and like Sonny's trying to say like something about I don't know the the Godwins, I'm not sure or about Cloudy. I didn't even know her name was Cloudy because the fucking banjo was the star of the show. Yeah, in this match I didn't love I love watch. I love the fact that uh that the um that the Godwins were thwarted by clapping at the end <laughs> when he just cl- uh, it was Bart Gunn I think clapped really loud to to make the referee think that there was a tag happening. Oh yeah, I mean like th- this was tag team wrestling was interesting I think at this point because again they were so gimmicky and they all Sunny was such a big part of it. Um, but I, I having seen knowing what happens down the road with these characters, it's interesting to see them doing such basic mm-hmm. stuff like this is like this is there. I feel like this felt like such a old school really feels like if we're if this we're saying this is the dividing line of when the attitude era starts they for sure represent what preceded it yeah um i thought one the uh, really the only note i have from the actual match is billy gunn hitting the turnbuckle and selling it like overselling it it was amazing like i think he gets thrown into the turnbuckle and he like hits it and then he like walks back and kind of goes like like a and then falls down it it was like 18 times the reaction of what should have happened when he actually got hit in the first place it was absolutely ridiculous like not wrestling like it felt like they just didn't know what to do and they're just like all right well everyone's going to fall down at some point 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the big thing for me about this match was was the again the rampant misogyny. But if we if we really want to talk about that, then maybe we should get to the next match, which yeah, was yeah. Uh, yeah. Jerry the King Lawler oh, fuck this. versus the Ultimate Warrior. Which was first, honestly, it felt like Jerry Lawler versus the audience. It felt like Jerry <laughs> Lawler <laughs> had to come out. And do a 15-minute roast. <laughs> I, I like, Andrew Dice Lawler this? coming on I, out. He literally told the woman that he, he was happy to see her <laughs> off the streets. He called her a whore. Ooh, he called a lot of people a lot of things. I have a note that Jerry Jerry Lawler is dressed like Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> He's got like he's got the crown, but he's also got that like he's got pseudo, the epaulets. The pseudo-military <laughs> epaulets, like um, he told he told one woman that she looked like a mailbox. Yep. Said, yeah, yeah. They, they, <laughs> she looks like a mailbox. <laughs> but he also told two teenage girls. Oh God! That yeah. They turn men into guys like gold dust. Oh, yeah. Oh. And I was like, oh, joke. I was like, there are layers to how bad this is. Yes. And I mean, this is a guy who, um, back in his heyday, was working with Andy Kaufman, who was very good at comedy. Yeah. He is very, very bad at comedy. Oh, and he will never get better no. at it. <laughs> oh no, oh no. This is this is somehow even even less problematic than a lot of the stuff that we're gonna hear from Wait, him. We have oh, to deal with more Lawler. Jerry, Jerry Lawler is a huge part of WWE forever. Sure. Jerry like, Lawler is like the heel company. You know uh, JBL. For, uh, yeah, um, yeah, Bradshaw. Bradshaw. Yeah, uh, he is like the uh, the proto or Jerry Lawler is the proto Bradshaw, and he and Jr. So much worse. Um, are like the announced team through most of the Attitude Era. And, and you have beyond. to listen. Yeah, I mean, it, like, Jerry Lawler has done, I mean, like, and I don't think, I mean, this is forever from now, but Jerry Lawler's also the most misogynist person in the world, possibly ever created. <laughs> and when they get to, when the when they start doing the real sexual divas, like bra and panty matches and things like that, he is, it is, he's unbearable. <sighs> um, but if it's any consolation, if you ever hate him so much, you can literally watch him have a heart attack on live television because that literally... <laughs> That did happen. He had a heart attack live on television on Monday Night Raw. Oh, I was going to say, tell me this is a pay-per-view. No. So right. you, but you can YouTube it if but you yeah, need. Maybe yeah. we'll make a and special I, episode where we just watch that. Well, and I think <laughs> I think going forward, one of the things that, that you need to know, Eric, is that the pay-per-views nowadays are where everything happens. But back then, insane stuff happened on Raw from week to week. And yeah. so a lot of the times I think Bobby and I are going to have to go through and comb through a lot of those Raw episodes and tell you what you need archives, to watch. Go through the microfiche. we yes. got to figure out the full we'll, history. We'll, we uh, focus in on the newspaper and we enhance. <laughs> yeah. Zoom He's in. been alive the whole time. Or this match, however, if we want to call it a match. I mean, could we just talk about the, the rivalry that preceded this, that brought us to this moment, is the fact that Ultimate Warrior had a comic book made about him, and Jerry Lawler insulted it because he felt he could have done the art better. They should have asked him <laughs> to do the art. That, Does he like ink, or is he, a, is he a I'm trying to remember if he was like, are you, was he an artist? Was that? A, I feel like they did this and never spoke of it again. Like, Wait, was that why Jerry Lawler like presented that picture to him and then hit him with it? And apparently Jerry Lawler was very mad about that spot and very mad about that segment because Ultimate Warrior wore a baseball cap during it and Jerry Lawler was furious about that. <laughs> disrespectful. Yes. Blatantly disrespectful to royalty. When you are in when you are in your house, you take your hat off. Okay. <laughs> um but we do need to talk about the fact that the Ultimate Warrior is also like the worst as well. Utter right? garbage. I mean like <laughs> Utter, utter garbage. Um, I have a few quotes from him. Uh, queering don't make the world, uh, sorry, queering don't make the world work. 
Um, he Disagree, was, but okay. Counterpoint. He, he, he was, um, and and the the weirdest one for me was uh, he was addressing um, a college campus, and he told an, a girl of Iranian descent that she needs to get a towel. And I think it's aren't they usually saying take off the? I don't. I know. I don't. Oh, boy, he is not a winner. Though I do love. I do have a special place in my heart as a storyteller with the Ultimate Warrior with the fact that years, decades later, he would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, he would show up on Raw, and then the next day he died. It was like he might as well have turned to dust and blow away in the wind. It was He, he made poetic. a mistake of turning around and looking at WCW <laughs> and then just turned into salt. It was it's so it blows my mind that it when he went down like that. He did. I, he, he gave like an amazing like impassioned speech yes. where where he could have been like but then again like just oh, he's like, a monster. Like he's a monster. like like to, uh, I just love from a storytelling perspective that ending like it's beautiful. He like honestly like might as well turn to just when, did, when did he die? Like when the last like 2014. Yeah, last three years. Vice, I remember. Yeah, I sort of remember it. Vice did an article in uh, October of 2017 where he kind of laid out all of like all of the awfulness <laughs> of him, including where he told Bobby the Brain Heenan um, he was glad that he got cancer, <gasps> and now uh, the Oof. Warrior Award goes out to um, people involved with Susan G. Coleman and yeah. uh, Connor the Crusher, who is the his the saddest story ever. Yeah. In I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> So just to bring it back from that, uh, okay. I uh, when I saw the warrior, I, I remember the warrior as a kid because, like, obviously, like when he came out, it was insane. Oh yeah, no, the superpowers with him and him and Hulk Hogan, who now is awful as well. <laughs> no. Kill your idols, folks. Yes, yeah. don't live long enough to be get CTEs before you oh. live long oh. enough to be a villain. No, but uh, the note I have about it as an adult watching him is. He looks like an, an aerobics instructor who started wrestling. <laughs> and, like, that's kind of how he, like, enters the ring. Like, it's it's a lot of jumping jacks. It's a lot of, like, high knees. He he literally has to pump his groin to get his energy levels back up. More tassels. Yes. Okay. I need more tassels. The Ultimate Warrior, to me, will always be the foremost ambassador of fringe. Um, that I just, I fringe on his boots, fringe on his arms. His hair is essentially uh, just feathered fringe. I'm like, I he's just human fringe. And I, that hair, that hair. I, I I used to be like, oh, his hair was was brown, right? And then I'm like, whoa, his hair is like like blonde, like sandy. It's not an blonde. actual human color. <laughs> it is like a a wig that got left in the rain uh, and then dried out in the sun repeatedly. <laughs> um, he's got dope music though. I yeah. really liked his music. Especially a time when no one had good music. Very few people, I should say, had good music. I mean, even Stone Cold I from earlier, like, not hearing the glass shatter before he came mm-hmm. out was, like, jarring. I was like, no, no, go back. We're not ready for you yet. Um, but he had a real entrance. Yeah, it was great. In fact, that was the best part of the match. Like, that match was terrible. So bad. And, but, yeah. and, and like, Warrior coming out and then Warrior leaving was the best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's just like everything in between like sucked. It was so bad. What were you gonna say? <laughs> no, I think you. Uh, I think you summed it up perfectly. Yeah, I'm, I don't need to. Like, like... Law, Jerry Lawler lo- uses medical tape to 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 strangle the war the Ultimate Warrior, and it's the most boring fucking thing. And he's just like really selling that tape, like come here, and like that was it. It was so bad. Oh, um, also one question about Jerry Lawler. What makes people choose the one shoulder singlet? Oh boy, I know it's a it's never it's not good for anyone. No one wins. No one yeah. wins with that. It makes you look like unless you're like Captain Caveman. Yeah, or something it, does, like it makes that. you look like a caveman every time. Like only only Andre the Giant kind of yes. gets away with yes. it. And but Jerry Lawler, I mean, like I feel like he will have that. I mean, he'll be we'll see we'll see him wrestle 
much longer than this. Like, oh, yeah, much years longer, years much later, older, much more plastic surgery. And still doing the one, the one tit out. <laughs> Just one nipple yeah, looking like, right at like you. Like women don't want to wear that. Nobody wants to see. <laughs> literally, no one is signing up for this. Oh, uh, I had, there was something the crowd was chanting. Um, for listeners don't know this, but uh, Aaron knows this very well from watching wrestling <laughs> with me. I am notoriously bad at figuring out what people are chanting <laughs> in the crowd. So I, they were just saying like, I don't know. It was like, he's I have no idea. So if you can. Ooh. Down, you don't have to answer me now, but down the road, anytime there's a chant, just okay. make a note, then say chant, and then uh-huh. that's what it was. I figured it out for the Underkeeper, uh, for the uh, Undertaker one, uh-huh. but like, I, and, and and what was that for for the Undertaker? Just rest so, in peace. You got it. Uh-huh. Hey, yeah. nice job. Uh, should we get into that one? Well, before there's an interstitial that I thought was fascinating, which is they're looking at, I believe, Jake the Snake um, backstage, uh-huh. and Gorilla Monsoon goes, "We don't know what's wrong with him. The doctor doesn't have X-ray glasses." <laughs> And I'm like, but he's a doctor, so can he just take an X-ray? Like, Maybe Gorilla Monsoon doesn't know what medical equipment is. He's like, you're gonna use your X-ray glasses but to he, look at my lungs, right? He's like, well, we didn't, we didn't bring any X-ray glasses. I was like, well, then why is he talking to this doctor? Shouldn't he have access to an X-ray machine? That's what doctors inspired the X-ray glasses. You should probably stand behind this lead wall. The doctor's got his glasses on. We don't want you to get affected by the x-rays. What a dumb thing to say. You could just be like, we don't know, but we had to say that. And I was like, you guys, just take him for a fucking x-ray? It was bizarre. I was like, I can't believe that someone said that with a straight face and no one questioned it. Commentator's like, I guess we're going to have to fucking figure it out. He's going to try his best. Get that doctor those x-ray glasses. And I was like, cannot. Okay, so that was... Whew, all right, Mankind versus Undertaker. I'm oh. into this. Holy shit, you guys. Such a good match. Holy, first of all, these two, they they, they don't write them like this anymore. <laughs> but they seriously do not. These two characters are so fucking cool and singular and creative and like nothing else you see. Man, the character of Mankind is insane. Yes, I love it. And fully realized and fully lived in. And it's amazing to see. Although I, I do think that, uh, that Alicia Fox is kind of playing sexy Mankind <laughs> these days. <laughs> I would love for that to be a thing. I would love for that to be a thing. Um, but Mankind blows my mind. Was sincerely creepy. Yes. And then under... The, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the music. Mankind's music sounded like it was straight out of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. It was... And his whole... Everything about his presence, he lives in it. I mean, it's... Um, ripping out his own hair. Ripping I mean, like, out his own hair. I had no saying that Mankind's a cutter. Like, yeah. He for sure is a cutter. Like, not even in wrestling terms, like, waiting. <laughs> He's just sitting there to feel something. It was... I mean, he was un- unbelievable nothing like him. And then for the... Watching these shitty entrances all night of just, like, people coming out to music or mm-hmm. running. Maybe they run. Uh, but then when the Undertaker... Like, literally just that, goosebumps. Just that gong. Literally yeah. goosebumps. I mean, like, what a... Unbelievable! I think like I was watching this and I was like, I know we all talk about Stone Cold and The Rock or whatever. I'm like, but there will literally never be anything as powerful, as cool, as good as The Undertaker. His character was amazing. His and his whole persona and in the ring, one of the most exciting things to watch. Well, I think Undertaker and The Rock kind of transcended wrestling to an extent. Where, sure. Where Undertaker, this is this is his thing. I mean, we we could talk about his uh, his turn in Hulk Hogan's Suburban Commando, but. <laughs> I mean, this he he owned this ring and he stayed in it for so long. And um, the last pay per view uh, in your house eight, the the commentator said talked about his long um, his long illustrious career in 1996. <laughs> We're here 21 years later, and there's talks about he might be coming back for uh, WrestleMania this year. Yeah. He might be coming back. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I've been out of it for a while. 
Well, he's had hip surgery, and honestly, I think he'd be better than his last performance. I think he wants to come back to do one that's like, let me do it and do my best. Wow. Because, man, watching him do this and watching him dive over the top rope, watching him do old school. I mean, Watching like, him time, climb up to the top and walk along. Yeah. Yes. The it's ropes. And... Unbelievable. For a guy his size, I mean, like, he is a singular force that will never be recreated. And then to see him with Mankind, I mean, this and this feud will carry on, and we'll see so much more of them. Oh, the... Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the fact that there are multiple Mankind Undertaker matches, and, and a lot classics. of them are awesome. Yeah, or all of them. Uh, the question I have is, are the Undertaker and McFoley friends in real life? They've got to be, right? They've got to be like they've best friends. Be. Yeah, I don't know if they're best friends. Like, like uh, I want them to be best. Friends. I don't know. I don't know if they've like baptized each other's children. <laughs> Undertaker and McFoley going out for ice cream. But they... Mark's down on his ranch down in Texas, and Mick calls him up. He's like, "Hey, Mark, I was just, Honestly, I just probably. read a, I just read a great article. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna forward it to you. Hey, uh, did you, did you do nine down yet? It's, it's five letters. <laughs> I haven't gotten all of it. <laughs> they do, they do crosswords together. Is my joke. I yeah, got it. <laughs> uh, no, but Mick Foley's commitment to this character is, is just something like, just something magic is happening here. Yeah, there's, I mean, I don't know if there's anything like him. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's so weird. I feel the closest we have now is Bray Wyatt. Yes. And Bray Wyatt do- has hit a slump and doesn't know what to do with himself. But holy <clears> shit, <throat> Mankind hit, hit. And the way that character develops over the years is well, yeah, also the, insane. The great but... thing about Mankind is, is that right off the bat, he, the schizophrenia was was built in. So he can go into all these other characters. Meanwhile, Bray Wyatt is stuck. Wait, is that what that is? that why he becomes, like, Cactus Jack and all Dude that? Dude Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's that's all mankind being like Eric, different people. You have no. I mean, like that character. I mean, he was phenomenal as he goes his oh. entire run. I mean, like he's one of the greats and has does crazy amazing shit that becomes iconic, but also just like from a storytelling character point of view. And it's just like good. a super dope human being yeah. as well as from everything that I've seen. And and I never want to hear anything like otherwise. I, yes, please, please, please. Let Come us out and say it if it if it happened, <laughs> but let's hope not. Um, I, I love that all of their commentary is literally just about how mankind's super ugly and misshapen. Yeah. They're like, they're like, he he's missing half an ear. He's got like one leg longer than the other. <laughs> like, I don't. Uh, did they measure him? Do they have his like vitals? He's got terrible blood pressure. Well, this man. They put on their X-ray glasses and they're like, all his bones are weird. <laughs> Weird bones is my favorite description for people. He's got uh, superfluous nipples. He's got, he's got weird look bones. Look at him. He's got weird bones. Uh, and just like the brutality of this match is is just something that um we like that we can't see today because of because what we know about like getting what getting smashed in the head with a chair yeah. does to the human brain and what we know about CTE. But man, it's cool. It is very cool to watch. Like to see a dented chair from from uh, Mick Foley's head. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. It, it, they do, they don't look like they're pulling it that hard. Like oh, they're just no. that's they're, crazy. I mean, like in terms of the violence, we will see. I mean, this is nothing, yeah. but it is it is jarring to see it, having not seen it for so many years. Yeah, I have a note. I just said like the chair stuff looks pretty real. Like yeah. either they were they had their spots better back then, which I could tell from the other matches they didn't, <laughs> or they were just hitting each other like full on. I mean, especially Mick Foley famously was like just took just took it like that was part of his whole a persona, but also the way he worked. Mm-hmm. He took harder hits and did more hardcore stuff than anyone else. 
I, I, by the way, I, I love him so much. At one point during the match, uh, he's like that. Some like he's right in right by the crowd, and some guy takes a picture as like take has his camera out, and mankind in the middle of the match screams into the guy's face <laughs> while he's taking the picture like close up, middle of the match, like just has that awareness to just be like fully in character and like recognize everybody and not just you know like you know Undertaker, you know. And, and it was you, awesome. And you guys, the audience for for this pay per view, oh, <laughs> there is an old woman in an aquamarine shirt that sits with her arms crossed the entire time. <laughs> she is in the front row. Guys, there was so many bowl cuts. Oh it my was, god, that one king oh, of the bowl cut during the Austin king of the bowl match. cuts as well. It was so many bowl cuts. No one was cool. There wasn't. A, I think. I think I scanned the crowd and saw zero cool people. <laughs> was this in Minnesota? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Not not your best Minnesota. Wisconsin. 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 Yeah. It, it still applies. There was not, not your best Wisconsin. Oof. It was r- rough. Rough to see. Um. This match was, I mean, it was great. It was great. It was a classic. And even the storytelling with Paul Bearer, I mean, like, that unfolds oh, as Paul part Bearer's of their relationship. Face. Oh, the, the whole hitting him with the with the urn yeah. by accident? Yeah. Just the expressions on Paul Bearer's <laughs> face. <laughs> with, with, like, the, the rigor of, of, like, the death rigor, like, the, <laughs> like with one lip all constantly down. Like, <laughs> like just just the, the wide-open, gaping mouth whenever, and, 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 the, and the arm, Paul Bearer, His he voice, was, he voice, the makeup. Was so great. He was amazing. He was amazing. And he was beloved behind the scenes. Like everyone just loved him. He's like he had like a reputation of being like the nicest guy and like a big part of like keeping the culture as healthy as it possibly could be. Well, he, he, he took good care of that urn. He, like, he literally, he was very, you know, he was a sensitive dude. Uh, that Oh, that part of the story, telling about the urn, how he's making eye contact with the urn. Yes, it's the urn. Gives him, gives him the powers. The Undertaker can't feel pain as long as the urn is nearby. That's a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, they, they, I feel like at this point they had started moving away they're from start, it. They're starting to, but they're definitely concentrated on that urn. The urn holds quite his soul. I don't know if it was that they made that direct connotation, but there was something um, beautiful between a relationship between them and the energy they exchange. <laughs> so I, I also note uh, I love how mankind squeals like a pig, like a yeah. stuck pig. It was a it's when he's so under, upsetting. Undertaker's was like, rrr, rrr, and like what the fuck, he, dude? And that's the thing he'll do continuously throughout. That's like one of his trademarks, and it is very jarring and upsetting, and fits so well with that character, and like. It, I could not sing the praises of mankind as a character in Undertaker more. Did they give him a backstory when he first appeared? Like, well, he just appears like a crazy. I mean, even the symbol on his back. I mean, everything about him is note perfect and like, thought of. But we don't. We didn't know anything about him. Think he was a crazy person. Like, is his wrestling? Is that like court ordered outpatient therapy? <laughs> <laughs> like they're like, they're, look, mankind is working through some stuff, and this is gonna help him. You're all doing great with him. We're gonna book him. I think that's an important thing to think about, though, because right now we're kind of getting into more of the meta story that's going on throughout the Attitude Era. That these guys are are here to make the most amount. Of, for the most part, they're here to make the most amount of money, and they, I make money by getting championships. Where before it was just acknowledged that oh, these are the guys that are fighting tonight, and they are <laughs> going to fight and watch them fight. Well, man, I think he was. It was mysterious. Everything was like, who's this mysterious man? He's mysterious. So they, mm. I think they'd really built in so much. He didn't have. That's what I mean. Like, he didn't have the job. He was very different. He was just coming in as like a, just a weirdo who might as well have wandered in off the streets. It was like, 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 te- it was like, like homeless wrestling. He was like a Tekken character. Homeless fights. Like he was fights. here for the fighting. Ooh. Right. It's a little bit like hobo fights. <laughs> <laughs> he just got off at a tr- got off like one of those trains. <laughs> he just set down his bindle. Yeah. 
<laughs> got out of the the cargo <laughs> hold, the car. hoped one of the railroad dicks didn't wouldn't chase him, and just quickly made it to the arena. Uh, after cooking a can of beans over an open fire in a trash can, <laughs> trash can lay with just like a fish skeleton. Right. <laughs> he, he rips out his hair. That's actually like that's a that's his instrument that he plays instead of a harmonica. Hey, he's got a full fish and he puts it in his mouth and just pulls, pulls out. out his oh, Heathcliff, right? Yeah, he's essentially Heathcliff. <laughs> by by the way, uh, can someone explain the mandible claw? Because they were talking oh, about boy. this, and I was like, what what is the power of the mandible claw? It's one of the worst finishing moves you can imagine, and it must be so fucking disgusting no matter what. Not even Does he okay. put his finger in their mouth? Yes. yes. Oh, and it gets worse. I don't want to. I don't know spoilers, but uh, it gets worse. But even like, I I particularly wouldn't want Mick Foley's fingers in my mouth. But I mean, I feel like anyone's fingers. And it's not like he's just come out of like the back where he's where he's washed his hands. He's been sweating through an entire match. I mean, like, not only does he not look like he washes his hands after going to the bathroom, he doesn't look like he wipes. But not only that, but he's wearing a weird glove that just covers the fingers that will go in your mouth. And you know that glove isn't washed. And you know that glove is like, who else's mouth has it been in? I mean, I wouldn't want Billy Gunn to give me the mandible claw. <laughs> I certainly don't want Mick Foley doing it. It is too gross. Um. So next. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. We've got Intercontinental Champion Goldust versus oh Ahmed Johnson. Oh, Jesus. And, and Bobby, can you give us a little uh, a little background into into this match. Oh, I wish I didn't have to. I mean, it's on the one hand, it is insane that this is a thing. <laughs> that Goldust's whole persona is this weirdly queer, because it's not even like really gay. Yeah, it's, well, are, are he and Marlena supposed to be fucking? Um, well, they're real life men. I know, I know. Uh, yeah. I don't think at this point they were an on screen couple at all. It was much more that she was kind just, of like. I a, meant more like implied. I, I, I don't think so. I think okay. at this point they're, it's all very like, how does it work? I remember <laughs> I subscribed to WWE Magazine um, at this point in my life, and they did a whole feature on Golda's life, and it was like. Just canceled it last week. <laughs> I have it on my Kindle. Um, he did a whole thing. There was a whole spread about his life, and it was. I remember one of the things that stood out to me. He lived in this. There was like this big mansion, and he was all very like artsy and rich. And he had a Stradivari. Stradivarius. Yeah, Stradivarius. And as a kid, again, I was eleven. And I was like, the fuck. <laughs> I had to like ask my mom. I'm like, what's a Stradivarius? I had literally because I couldn't Wikipedia it. Um, but that's one thing I remember about Goldust. Uh, Apropos of nothing. Uh, you didn't have America Online yet? No, I didn't. I, I could have put in my Encarta CD <laughs> and see if it came up. Um, so the backstory here is Ahmed Johnson had a brutal match with Vader, was knocked out. He's backstage on a stretcher. And Goldust gives him mouth to mouth. But it's not really effective mouth to mouth. There's there's also no chest compressions. It's mostly he just makes out with Ahmed Johnson, which as a story and as, as, a, as a thing is gross. But... As I try to like peel back the meta layers of this and imagine pitching the story, and also to Ahmed Johnson mm-hmm. and Ahmed Johnson being like, "Yeah, I'll make out with this guy Goldust for this for the story." Although I'd be mad, but he did still have to make out willingly with Goldust yeah. multiple times. Yeah, oh, a lot. And I mean, during the match, it's it's basically a gay panic nightmare. Oh yeah. Oh, gay panic is a huge overarching theme in the, in the Attitude Era, but the, Goldust is the worst offender. I think we're only two pay per views away. Uh, two 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 back. I can't remember. Which in your house or whatever it was, where the entire arena is is chanting the F slur at Goldust. <gasps> oh Ugh. yeah, I mean Jerry Lawler calls calls him a faggot, I believe on in on air on live raw unedited uncensored, just like what is this a thing we could say on television? Oh god, yeah, I mean different time, different I time, say? folks. <laughs> I was because I, I was so I'm watching it and I'm watching him like caress 
Ahmed like at different times and I was like getting I was like getting physical shivers from it and I was like is this like why what is this what is it about this that is like really disturbing me and I was trying to think like if a man were wrestling like a woman like which will happen later right yeah, because like China wrestle. China, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if a man were doing, like, if a man were wrestling a woman and he, and he started doing that to a woman while he was wrestling her, I, I think I'd still feel exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's just like, stop being a fucking creep. Yeah. This is weird. Ugh. It no, there like it was the most disturbing fucking thing I watched, and I had to watch it twice to make sure I got all my notes correct. <laughs> oh, they have like consensual gay panic later with Billy and Chuck, where but this is uh, this is there's that element to it too. It's like gays as predators. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes me think about what our friend Gon said when we was t- he was talking about Jinder Mahal and about how you kind of have to make them the enemy before you can bring them into like like uh, you got to. Any kind of outside force, you got to um, make them the enemy before you can make them into a hero or make them into a face. So, yeah. is is it is this a step forward or I don't? <laughs> well, I think by the time Goldust does turn face, at that point he's been degayed a bit. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, at least he still is insanely weird and very queer and strange and wears. Like, like I love that part of it. Gets more fetishy mm-hmm. down the road, but at this point it's just he's wearing a wig and he's touching men inappropriately. Yeah. Well, at WrestleMania, Roddy Roddy Piper strips him down, revealing like a negligee uh, beneath. Oh my god. Yeah. This is later. No, this, this is, is before. Later. This oh. was this was WrestleMania twelve. So he's he's like supposed to be a cross dresser. Yeah. Wow. He's every kind of queer everything everything that you should be afraid of everything that Vince McMahon thinks is true about gay people (laughs) Um, but this match I actually was really into Ahmed Johnson as a kid I had Ahmed Johnson poster in my bedroom why wasn't he a star Uh, I'm trying to remember I think actually he was known to be a bad worker Uh like he was not great in the ring and he was kind of like a big dummy I just can't think of another champion from 1996 that isn't in the Hall of Fame right now yeah, and I feel like he was injury prone, and I think he had a he burned bright but very quickly. Like I feel like honestly, he's got maybe from our watching now maybe a year left in him, and this is like and he's basically just getting started. So I think he had a very short. He didn't leave a lot of historical impact, mm-hmm. um, but he had come from a very hard scrabble life, and I remember also learning from WWE Magazine a feature with him uh, that he I think was shot. Uh, before he became a wrestler, and then he was like on, almost paralyzed, and he had all these bed sores and Jesus. all this stuff. Like uh, I was like, he had really a hard scrabble background, um, but he would uh, not last long in the business. Um, so I have a question: Is it? it it's definitely problematic, but is it like full on racist? The comments that Owen Hart was making about Ahmed Johnson, like saying that he had like a brain the size of a pea, like it felt. There was something uncomfortable about it. There was a lot of, like, basically calling Ahmed Johnson, like, just a stupid man over and over. Well, Owen Hart's whole thing there is weird when he talks about how how Goldust, like, felt him up. And at first, then we had it out in the back. And now we're okay. He never met a man he doesn't like. (laughs) Never met a man he doesn't like. Yeah. I didn't pick up any of that. I just picked up an Owen Hart being his usual insult. I didn't pick up anything of that. I'll I'll, withdraw. Yeah, it, it also very much could have been. It would also wouldn't have surprised me if I dismissed it. They were very sensitive in this era, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure they wouldn't have made that mistake. Um, by the way, Goldust's uh, entrance is shot like it, it's yeah. shot like like half music video, half like drug induced like uh, I don't know illusion or, or like. Well, visions. the best part about it too is that then people are wrestling in his glitter the rest of the night, <laughs> yeah, and know, it's just like everyone. stuck all over them, and I love that. I just love, I mean, like the fact that he. 
I want to know who wrote this character, and I'm hoping it was gay Pat Patterson, because while it is offensive, there's so much that that rings true in it that no one else would pick up on. So, for example, his former finisher was a reference to a Betty Davis movie. <laughs> Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, which is like not even a oh, yeah. famous, but that was I know that, one. that was his. We all know it just because of that. feud. I yeah. knew it before, okay. so shut but it. He was that was his finisher around this time, which is like it's just nuts to me that like I'm like, well, someone really did their research. They were like, gay. He's a gay character. Okay, what's his finisher? Betty Davis. Betty Davis. Okay, Hush, 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 table what? ladders and yarn ever getting out of this chair. <laughs> we're gonna have a. It's gonna be a bumpy night, you know. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I have a question. Um, if we're, are we, can we move on to the Brian Pillman? Thing um, or? I just want to oh. want to fo- one more thing. Um, remember when you weren't allowed to strike people with a closed fist? The yes. referee here is is to open up the hand, open up the hand. I think we need to bring that back. Do you? I, I do. I do. <laughs> I do. I do feel like there's so many forearms versus fists uh-huh. that we're seeing, but love a good fist. But it was just, it was just it was a good thing, like a good. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it was a good move for the heel, like to differentiate the heel from the face yeah. when, you, when they're fighting with a closed fist. But also That's hilarious, they were like, you know what, guys, 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 stop punching each other. This is a man sport. You need to slap, <laughs> you need to slap each other. Silly, <laughs> like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so Brian Pillman then comes out. Uh, who is he, and why is he on crutches? Like, <sighs> I mean, not why. I guess I don't really care why he's on crutches, but who is he, and well, who is he? He's the brightest star that ever stepped foot on the face of God's green earth. You, you didn't yeah, listen yeah. to. Of course, well, yes. Now, I'm, I am I did not refresh Wiki, refresh my Wikipedia knowledge of this. is literally just pulling from my lived-in memories. So Brian Pillman, as I recall, was a WCW recent signee. He had a history with Steve Austin working together. He was coming in. He was sort of this, like, unhinged rock and roller. He was, like, very, like, strung out all the time, which would play into his demise. Um, and before, I think, he ever really got started in WWE, he overdosed. Um, oh. So he did not. Was he? Is he dead? Oh, he did. He died oh. like while like in the midst of that. He didn't die later. He oh, died man. like he before even his career got. I don't think he even got to wrestle a match. He had this legit, I think, ankle injury. Yeah. Or maybe it was a work, but he did not wrestle for a long time. He ended up aligning with the Hearts, um, and he was sort of like working with them for a while. He had a very infamous Monday Night Raw segment with Steve Austin, which I don't know if we should talk about it now or whatever. But it was. I mean, it's the the singular craziest thing I believe to ever happen on dub, on wrestling television of all time. Okay, well, let I, I want to see this before we <laughs> okay, talk about right. it. All right, I'm gonna no spoilers, but be excited. So anyway, this is this this is his sort of like I think one of his earliest appearances coming over from WCW, but he hasn't been in the ring really. Okay, did you guys notice his herpes sore? It looked like he had a good <laughs> sore. Like that that one side of his lip, I was like, what is going on there? This guy, they should not get that close up to him. <laughs> Uh, and also, he said he would rape the entire federation. <laughs> yes, rape, pillage, and plunder. Yeah, which I is, focused which on is, the rape, which is part. definitely, which is definitely playing into like I'm a Viking, I guess. I'm but a also, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, but, but when you when he really he really sold the rape line. Whew. Ooh. Uh. All right, well, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, because here we get to um, one of the biggest moments of the night: Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Jake the Snake Roberts in a very short. Finals match of the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, Austin has come back from the hospital with stitches in his mouth that they have no problem zooming right in on, and now in uh, in full high def is is a sight to behold. Yeah. So the story goes that he went to the hospital and didn't realize, didn't know that Jake the Snake, I think before his match, had cut a promo that was had all the Bible references in it. So Austin did not have this prepared necessarily to throw back at Jake the Snake. 
on his way back from the, when he got back from the hospital, literally moments were going out. Doc Hendricks, mm-hmm. uh, who was formerly Michael Hayes and the Fabulous Freebirds, uh, tells him, "Hey, just so you know, Jake just got this promo. If you want to work into anything." So oh, that, where it was like, like I was blind and now I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. He, Austin was in the hospital for that, so he missed that. Oh, that's the story, at least, um, that he missed that. And then when he came back backstage, someone told him, "Like that's what Jake said. So if you want to work that in." And now gave birth to this so, yeah. famous line. Uh, so, but the match itself, do we want to talk about the match first? Or that sure. match was terrible. Okay. Sure. Well, I mean, it's basically just him ripping out, <laughs> like, it was like a teddy bear getting his stuffing <laughs> ripped out of him. <laughs> Unwrapping, like, it was like one of those uh, YouTube videos where, like, the unwrapping of a, of a Jake the Snake doll. <laughs> and then, look, and I, can, I can move his arms. And... <laughs> and the snake is still in the bag, and he's very, very scared. <laughs> Guys, that snake is terrified. I'm pretty sure they put that snake in a freezer for like an hour before the show. And then it's just, it comes out and it's just like barely moving until it gets sunlight. But then the end of this match then gives birth to the Austin 316, which would then be uh, emblazoned on every single kind of merchandise for for all eternity. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. I had I had in my notes, I went, Austin 3.16, is that what this means? I, <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing this for all my life yeah. and I was like, what the fuck is this? It came from this, so he was quoting, John- Jay the Snake was quoting uh, John 3.16 I think either in the promo time or in previous promos and that's where he came back Austin came back in with this like oh yeah you love your John 3.16 well Austin 3.16 said I just whipped your ass and that I mean bro- took off one of the most famous things ever said on television period and he's yeah. just he's so good at, like coming with off like off the cuff kind of thing because he starts off the first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of the ring he then realizes that he's out of the ring and he goes oh wait don't just get him out of the ring get him out of the WWF because <laughs> I prove without a shadow of a doubt you ain't got what it takes anymore did he did he retire Jake at this point was that what the match that retired him I believe so I would have to look that up. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, also, that there was a reference. Austin also referenced his alcoholism. Yes, he said Jake should go back to drinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe like, said take some pills. I don't remember. Yeah, he go buy a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to dig out some of that courage you had in your prime. What the fuck? Oof. It, I mean, it is a it is savage. He is fire on the mic. It is so good. Ether, ether. It is unbelievable how that's like this singular moment has transcended into pop culture in a way that I mean like. Everyone knows. My parents know Austin 316. I mean, like, it's an insane thing how if you watch this, you watch this crowd. Again, this is not cool at all. Wrestling is not cool at this point. Yeah. And yet it became such a big fixture in pop culture. It's funny because, like, the the moment itself is great, right? Like, Austin 316 says, and he does this whole thing. But when you, when you like, break it down, it's just like, I just whooped your ass. It's like, it's a very, it like, for all the buildup of that, it wasn't like, oh, Austin 316, that's what it means. It's just like, oh, it's I just whooped your ass. It's a little, that part was a little anticlimactic. Uh, it's anticlimactic own. now, yeah. Yeah. but the I, I guess just the organic nature of it, how people heard that and latched onto it, that's yeah. a, then it, it became a thing for people. And that's what I mean, yeah. At the time, like, he sold it so well, but if you just, if you isolate that fucking line, of, you know, from, from, with, from, Steve, you know, from Steve Austin, all that stuff, and you're just like, I just whooped your ass, 
that on its own doesn't have it any powder uh, any power to it but like the fact like w- when he brought it out it's just like it was just a great moment i wonder if you do, it's a matter of you can't unlearn something or unsee it and like because you've seen it because it came so much it takes away some of the how lightning in a bottle it was or how electric it was because i don't know man i feel like remembering back at that moment just being like literally like a cartoon my mind blowing it's like super hot fire like like the guy running around with the hands on his head going ah yeah that's i I mean i feel like as a kid there was also like smoke on my face and my hair was all standing up on end because that cool and powerful and crazy after the end of the match the audience is kind of split like there's a lot of people who are who have their their thumbs down towards stone cold steve austin where a year from now, the pop that Austin would get when he comes into the ring every single time when that glass shatters is, is I don't know, another superstar that ever kind of got to that level. Well, also two things that are happening here. One is that wrestlers weren't using that kind of language. It was still a pretty family-friendly product. So yeah. for A, like the kind of like the swearing was, was sort of jarring. And also we hadn't really seen, and this is... we are kind of building towards like anti-heroes and wrestling used to be is, was always very black and white good guy bad guy face heel and now we're starting to blur the line a little bit with a guy who is a villain but is so irresistibly cool yeah that i mean he still becomes a face without changing any of the tactics or changing the persona so it was very as for fans like nuts and it's funny because like yeah i i think that's the, like he is the symbol of that like masculinity that i think i bristle up to i mean at now as somebody who can appreciate wrestling i watch it i'm like holy shit this guy's awesome and and from what i understand he seems like a pretty awesome dude in general Am yeah I wrong about yeah that? he's um, got he's had he's, a checkered past yeah. oh, never mind. <laughs> um, uh, he has some domestic uh, uh, violence uh oh. situations he seems like but, but he seems like he's acknowledged it and hasn't kind yeah. of like like skirted it away at least where Unfortunately, at this point, that seems to be the most that we can ask of people. Hope for someone, but he did come. He came out very strongly for gay marriage in all the press. A couple before, like before the Supreme Court and things like that. Mm. Like I feel like maybe a year before or something like that. Like so, he's actually come around to be. Yeah, a yeah he seems he's, he's, he's a seems complex pro- human being. Yeah, yeah, he seems kind of progressive in in some ways. Um, but yeah, like so, I it's funny. Like I think when I think back to like uh, what that would have meant to me as a kid back then, I probably would have been really turned off. Yeah, by his by by the bravado. Whereas now I can appreciate like I as as an adult I can appreciate antiheroes. Yeah. yeah, I think as a kid I was never even even at Austin's peak popularity he was never my favorite. Yeah, he was always reminding me like I equate Stone Cold Steve Austin to Wolverine, who was always like one of my I least hated favorite X Men. Um, yes. and it was so I had that's how I view kind of the two of them. I agree. Also, uh, Stone Cold has a list. <laughs> I got Stone Cold's list, which, uh, yeah, I, I I know we're not, you know, we're not at the Chris Jericho era yet, <laughs> but I'm so, I'm I'm glad that there's a list in some form or another throughout the ages. And it doesn't matter if it's one of our last two matches, whether it's Shawn Michaels or Davey Boy Smith who wins, he's gunning for that WWF championship. Yep. Awesome. Speaking of which. Let's do it. Should we head into the main? The one thing we had to cut away before this match that I, my notes afterwards, I wrote LOL, 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 um, was the big shot of the Sega, Sega Saturn. Yes, oh, yes. I love it. The Sega Saturn bit. <laughs> is there more of a fucking 90s sentence yeah. than Sega Saturn blamp? They I mean, could like, have had like. Ama- I was like, I was honestly laughing so hard. They could have give, been giving away Virtua Fighter t-shirts <laughs> in the crowd. And that would have been more, more of oh, the moment. Oh, it was great. Really brought me back to the time. <laughs> that, that was the system that won out. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. 
Uh, yeah. So this match, Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog. The British Bulldog had about 90 people in his corner. <laughs> and Shawn Michaels had uh, Jose Lothario, which sounds oh. like uh, a nickname that Michael Vick would use to have sex with people. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, but, uh, but Owen Hart, Owen Hart's... Uh, Comments about Dirty Jose Mexican. Mexican. Dirty, Dirty Mexican. Go back to Tijuana. I mean, like, I had literally the exact same phrase. What a dick. Um, I will say I'm happy to report that he is still alive at the age 83. Jose Lothario still alive? 83 years old, yes. Ooh, because he trained Shawn Michaels. That's their relationship. I don't think they address it in this pay-per-view, but that no. um, he trained Shawn Michaels is the big He's thing. a little bit like Mickey from, yeah. from Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been around for a while, and he'll, we'll see him on TV for a little bit. Um but yeah, then British Bulldog, who is huge because he is full of steroids. Yeah. He is literally a walking bag of steroids. He is he is um, on a uh, on a, a very short clock too. Oh yeah. yes, he looks. He like... is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern,ing his way through. <laughs> Wait, oh he he dies. Oh he he oh. dies very young. Yeah, 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 yeah. tragically. Um, he cut a promo earlier in the night where I was like, "Is this guy British?" <laughs> he I, I couldn't he tell from the yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. The accent was a little bit weird at times. He looks like his face. Um. Reminds me of if you took the lead singer of Jimmy Eat World and pumped him with steroids. I don't he have looks... a clear enough picture oh, of you the gotta, lead you're, singer. You're gonna have to Google it. It, it just takes some time. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. I might pull it up while we chat a little bit um, because that's I can't. Every time I watch a Jimmy Eat World video, which you know I do from time to time, <laughs> sure. as we all do, um, can't escape them all over the TRLs. Um, there is never a time where I don't want to listen to the sweetness. Oh, never. Jimmy Eat World. This is a whole other podcast, but. <laughs> I can I can literally do a whole episode about Bleed American if we ever want to. Um, do, does um does uh, the British Bulldog have those like those um, cornrows? No. Before or after? Before this. That oh, would... thank God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't have to watch that. him with those braids. Before yeah. and and after though, I think I think that that's a haircut that he goes back to oh, later on. I don't think <laughs> Is that so. because no. he went down to the Caribbean for a vacation? <laughs> no, he doesn't. With his family. No, I'm 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 fairly certain he doesn't. Um, British Bulldog responsible for one of my favorite moments in here as the crowd is chanting USA and he's just over at the side yelling, No! <laughs> no! Uh, oh, do, can we talk about Mr. Perfect? Who I, I was like, I wrote down, I'm like, he spits his gum and hits it. Yeah. That's, th- a, that's a Mr. Perfect thing? Oh, yes. Um, also, Eric, you might realize, so today's Ms. Taraj, um, Curtis Axel, is the son of Mr. Perfect. Huh. Oh. Did you know that? You knew that, Aaron. I'm I, sure. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's um, he's he's Mr. Perfect's son, Curtis Axel. That's a that is a uh, interesting. What am I trying to say here? There is a, a a pedigree to the Misterage. Yes, yes. So he oh, two, yeah, both guys. Yeah, yeah. Bodellas, son of uh, son of Erwin Archister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, they're both second generation. I I feel like when I see Mr. Perfect, it's like one of those monikers, like like when you call a tall guy tiny. <laughs> like it's like there, there's literally nothing perfect about Mr. Perfect. Like he's got that weird snarl and that oh god, the hair and the, the ramen noodle the, the hair, curly ponytail, that ramen noodle hair. Ramen noodle. Well, he would build... that Dolph Ziggler would later uh, yes later Dolph, perfect. I, mean, I think Dolph Ziggler honestly does take his look inspired by Mr. Perfect on purpose because when Mr. Perfect was really like an in ring performer, his whole thing was being so technical and he. He was a sculpted body, and he would. It was very like fitness and what he's able to accomplish with his body. Oh, but like Ozzy Mendias. Yes. Okay. It was like I was trying <laughs> from, to from the Watchmen, not, like, not the not, original. Also, a word not that I've only, Shelley. I've only read so much, so you said it to me a minute to figure out like, what is he <laughs> referring to. Uh, yeah, this is another one of the match where everyone is covered in glitter from uh, yes. from the earlier match. 
Um, I liked when they did a super flex off of the top and they just called it a big suplex because they didn't even have a name for it yet. <laughs> I mean, we're really entering into a new territory where they're kind of like making up new rules as they go along. And taking things to different levels and really put, I thought this match was actually a really enjoyable match. Solid. That you yeah. could compare to today's Solid. standards, like well wrestled, yeah. good storytelling. It was a, it was a, Fun match to watch. Uh, I love the part where the British Bulldog. I don't, okay, so by the way, and for myself and maybe for listeners, is there a, a resource I can go to to see what moves are called so I can refer to them? Um, you can just text me. <laughs> but like, how do you even describe just it? Tell me the point in the in the pay per view, okay. and I'll go. I'll look at it. And I so, literally. But so, how do you learn the names? So because okay, so as you guys know, like I said, I will buy. I only buy new video game systems as an adult man, so I can play the new WWE game every time. And why do I want to play it? Because I want to make my creator wrestler that I had made since I was honestly in middle school. And, and the name of that wrestler would be Bobby the Body. <laughs> and I have made it since I was. 12 and I have to when you do it it's such a deep customization that you customize every single move they do so in doing that I have seen the names of every move over and over again what? as I scroll through to choose so I could I know every I, I, I wouldn't say I know every but I would say if I was on a game show I would do pretty well okay okay alright so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this well maybe we'll try to come up with something for people who are you know interested in figuring out what these moves are it also would be fun i would like you to look the at a move i would know. like you to guess the name i would like to, or what you would call it <laughs> yes. like a like a flippy heady tossy or whatever yeah. and then yes. i can tell you what it's actually called so um so the british bulldog has Shawn michaels in the over the head press mm-hmm. yeah. is what i'd call it yeah and i don't know if he like actually like lost balance or whatever but he just backs up and drops him outside of the ring Ooh. that looked like a that looked like a blown spot no, I think that was on purpose. That was I, on purpose. That yeah, looked so I dope. I for sure think that was a plan. He just, yeah, I yeah. just, I just watched this guy just go whoop, like yeah. straight down. Yeah, it was brilliant. I think it was a really well played. That was spot, so but good. It definitely felt on purpose. There's no way. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Um, yeah, there was there was some really good stuff. I also uh, I want I wanted to ask about Shawn Michaels' uh, outfit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes, please. Is he supposed to be a male stripper who wrestles? Well, he's a sexy boy. He's a sexy boy. Not a boy toy. <laughs> Not a Yes. It's which a theme song I believe he sings. Continue. What? <laughs> I'm almost positive. Oh. Did he write it? Who no, wrote that? To be in the studio watching him record. I, I'd, I'd like to take that another take. As it'd, be, someone, it'd be like Boogie Nights. <laughs> as someone who went to the mall and paid American dollars for WWF the Music Volume <laughs> One, Volume One, a collector's issue. I might still have it in my parents. Attic. This okay? can be used against you in a court of law. I would literally, because I was eight <laughs> on vinyl. I was too old to play with action figures. Still did it, uh, and would for sure queue up the CD in my three disc changer <laughs> and then walk the wrestlers out <laughs> to oh to their appropriate. Did you have Did you have like a Ken doll that would play the part of you and then, and then I it would get I really like, really into it. I had so many um, wrestling figures, but anyway, oh, that's a, again for a whole other show, but. Uh, yes, sexy boy music he made. He was styled with with uh, leather chaps mm. and a motorcycle hat. Which, yeah, like, he was he, a leather daddy. He was essentially a, a member of the village people. It made yeah. no sense. But that's what I think wrestling thought was sexy. <laughs> what Vince McMahon was like, <laughs> what does a sexy boy wear? And that's what they came up with. He really is on that, like, it's the, like the Kinsey scale, right? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like Vince McMahon is. That's like, what he's I mean. just like... Sexy, it like leather is sexy and also scary. The same way we, we will monstrous. see throughout the decades, still to this day, that if there's a pretty boy wrestler, 
he has boots with like fur trim on them without <laughs> fail. You could say it right now with um, Tyler Breeze has it. John Morrison did it. I mean, like literally that's like a trope in wrestling. Like, oh, he's a pretty boy. He's got uh, furry boots on. Like that's like a thing they know about them. <laughs> Give him Uggs. That like, is a I fact. have something to tell you. Yeah. Um, but Shawn Michaels, it's funny because you say you, you look at Goldust and just everything on paper versus Shawn Michaels, you're like, Shawn Michaels is a much gayer character than Goldust <laughs> is. You guys, you think you might have confused something. Uh, I have a question. Did the bulldog fuck up that jump off the top rope on purpose? Was that a, like, you know, in, like towards the end, he kind of like tried to jump off the top rope and he sort of, he like missed and landed short. Of oh, yeah, Shawn yeah, Michaels. yeah. I remember that. that was uh, a fuck- I don't know if that was, that was a mess up or. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure. All right. <laughs> the overhead press to the outside was for sure planned. That I can tell you. That's because that felt like a real moment they had uh, built up toward. Well, and that also allowed that amazing moment of Shawn Michaels grabbing the racket away from Jim Cornette and smacking smack him on the yes. butt yes. a couple times. Uh, I also really liked when Shawn Michaels flipped the bulldog over the rope using his feet. He was like, I think he his head was, was like by the mat and his feet were in the air. Mm-hmm. And the bulldog came over and he just like grabbed him with his feet. And basically, I'm sure the bulldog did really the work. Yeah. But like Jumped flipped over. him out of the ring. That yep. was a pretty awesome move. That was good wrestling. Like a lot of the rest of this special did not have particularly good wrestling. This yeah. was a good match. No, these Abs- are these are two solid wrestlers absolutely. at the height of their powers, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also like how Owen Hart says uh, Jose Lothario pulled a split bla- a switchblade on me. Oh, God, talks about a switchblade. Oh boy. Yeah, it, they were not kind uh, to Jose. Poor Jose. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like uh, this is definitely a product of his time. I don't know what future generations are going to decide that I am a monster for, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be judged quite a bit better than the people in WWE <sighs> yeah, in 1996. Nobody gets out of this like clean. Okay. Yeah, everyone except for maybe mankind. Mankind. I mean, the Undertaker too is pretty pretty great. The Undertaker will do some questionable things when he goes into an American badass oh, persona, and uh, even before even that, before let's yeah yeah okay 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 okay, okay. sorry I get so excited. <laughs> Uh, I, I really liked um, what was the, uh, Jim? What was the guy? Cornette. Jim Cornette, like in the after the part, the after promos, where he he's just saying like random shit to the announcer, just saying like you've got the biggest jowls I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he goes, Vader would eat you alive if he wasn't on a low fat diet. <laughs> and this is going to set up for um, the the conflict, the main conflict in the uh, in the next pay per view that we're going to watch. Um, but yeah, they, that end there, that pop that Ahmed Johnson gets when he comes out, and then just that insane pop that the Ultimate Warrior gets. Yeah. And meanwhile, this is going to be the last pay-per-view appearance of the Ultimate Warrior mm-hmm. ever. Thank God. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's released shortly after this. Um, so one thing I wanted to note was like the way that this, um, the way that the the whole event ended. Was it just degenerates into just an all-out brawl? Mm-hmm. Like it, it just seemed like they didn't quite know how to like end things. They also don't know how to begin things. Like everything start, every match starts before the bell. Like literally, <laughs> just they run at each other, and then like somebody at the bell is like, "Okay, okay, we have to start." Was this. it Ultimate Warrior or was it Ahmed Johnson who, when he ran out, knocked over those court jesters through the door? <laughs> I went back, I rewound that about six times. I think it was Ahmed Johnson. It's kind of like, like he so powerfully burst the door that both the jesters threw themselves. It's kind of like an SNL sketch. Ending things is hard. We don't know yeah. really how to wrap things up. <laughs> they don't right? have buttons for yeah. anything. Um, well, did we uh, did we miss anything? Is there anything that you guys want to go back to from earlier in the night? One thing I wanted to note was uh, I, 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 when noticing the Godwins, I felt like they were a mix between like the Wyatt family, the Dudley boys, 
maybe a little bit of like uh, Jim Hacksaw Jim Duggan, mm-hmm. and like I feel like essentially this is almost like um, what, what's that that comic book uh, the, the Sacred and the Divine or the the Wicked and the Divine. Divine. It almost feels like there's like a dirty hillbilly avatar <laughs> that materializes in it's different incarnations. And, and two years later, it will die before it right, because of the steroids. But like, Ooh. yeah, there's always there's always a hillbilly, a dirty hillbilly avatar who will who will uh, get you know re- be reborn every few years. For years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards. We want to end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. Um, I'll start out with I want to give the You're Irrelevant and You Don't Even Know It award to the Ultimate Warrior who is uh, basically seeing his replacements in the very next match with Mankind and The Undertaker, but also for the aforementioned Sega Saturn blimp, which that very same day as this, the um, Nintendo 64 was released in Japan. So, yeah, that's research, guys. Nice. Good work. (laughs) Eric, what about you? Oh, well, I didn't didn't do, like, a a superlative. (laughs) Uh, I, I just, I think, like... There's like there's two there's two main runners for like, just like you should you should definitely like this is not a look that ever should have gone past this day in your life like nobody like you should hope that the the tapes get destroyed, but Owen Hart talking about uh, Jose Lothario and also just like talking about the women in general and and gold dust like that gold dust shit like does not stick well with me for anything like that I. I don't understand like what what made them. I, I I understand it in a way that I guess I should understand the '90s, but like I like I, at this point I would not be surprised if there was like some sort of HIV storyline with Goldust. I would also not be surprised. Oh no, <laughs> this is gonna fucking suck. Okay, that's that's enough for me, um, Bobby. Uh, a little bit inspired by that, I'd like to give a um, Glad Media Award. To Shawn Michaels <laughs> for being the gay hero that we all deserve, um, and I'm just happy that he did put in the work. Pure country, right there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's not doing a good job of like not being a boy toy. Like I feel like he he really has to like maybe like look at himself in the mirror and and really figure out what he's doing to and- make people think he's a boy toy that he has to deny it maybe he can go back into the studio and re-record a remix of his theme <laughs> no, song no does he do that <laughs> no, no, oh, but wow. it'd be great if he did i got so worried uh, a new version where maybe i am a boy toy or maybe a heartfelt ballad to follow up <laughs> thanks for listening we'll be back again with a different pay-per-view from the attitude era you can find us on twitter Eric is at Prime Silver, Bobby is at Bobby Hank, and I'm Slow Pass. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'll see you again for In Your House 9 International Incident. <laughs>